Welcome to Hauntedology. I'm your host, Megan, and it's my belief that these cities all have a story to tell, and it's our job to listen. So let's dive into this next episode and see what this amazing city has to tell us now. Savannah, Georgia is a town that's said to be as full of ghosts as it is character. As the city expanded over the years, many old burial grounds were covered up, paved over, and built upon, often without moving the graves that lay beneath. The city has gained the nickname, the city that lives upon her dead, or like the city that is built upon her own dead. Either one of the two is actually heard. And it's also led to plenty of ghostly tales and spectral sightings all over the city. Depending on who you ask, many will tell you that the most haunted place is Colonial Park Cemetery. The oldest burial ground in the city is actually Colonial Park Cemetery, and it lies right in the middle of the town's famed historic district. On the corners of Abercorn and Oglethorpe Streets, the six-acre cemetery was founded in 1750 and acted as the city's primary burial ground until 1853. Now, more than 10,000 people are estimated to be buried in Colonial Park, though the cemetery is home to fewer than a 1,000 grave markers. Now, I may not be good at math, but I can for sure say something's off here. I mean, seriously, 10,000 people and less than a thousand gravestones, like, did your families just not like you? Yeah, maybe 9,000 of them just weren't liked. <laughs> like, put, put his butt in the ground, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, what was it like? But part of the reason why, though, is that roughly 700 of the cemetery's permanent residents lie in a mass grave. Ew. I know, like, ew. It's horrible. That is horrible. But it was because they were victims of the yellow fever epidemic of 1820. And the main one was, I think it was like 1876 or whatever that literally like wiped out over half the population. It was bad. Mm. We don't want to hear me, guys. Hold on the report. <laughs> Many of the dead are actually interred in. The Brick family burial vaults. You know the ones that we saw? Yeah. Yeah, those. And that's actually part of why the city is so famous. Because, like, you don't see that stuff anymore. And these vaults were once underground structures that were compared to, like, root cellars and held the bodies of deceased family members, like, on shelves. I saw that on TV before. (laughs) (laughs) But with time and, you know, good old Savannah climate... It reduced the corpses to little more than bones and dust. The remains were transferred into a large family urn. Ew. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Like, what if my family in that clothes? Like, I just pretend to like them for holidays. Yeah. Now my ashes is all mixed with theirs, and I don't know which is mine and what's theirs. No, ew. I can't do that. That's gross. But anyways, the shelf would then be reused for the next family member in line. So, hold on. Let me wipe Grandma off the shelf, honey, before we lay your body here. 
you don't recycle a grape, that's gross. <laughs> this thing's recycling, this thing's not recycling. I mean, gross. like, I'm all for recycling and saving the planet, but that's gross. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's like, hold on, let me wipe grandma's ashes from, like, the, con- the climate, the humidity, and the heat. Let me wipe them all into this big old family urn, and then we'll lay little Johnny on the shelf. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. I ain't touching grandma's ashes. No. I ain't touching little Johnny. Amen. Like, no. No. Uh-uh. Ugh. I don't do dead folk. Me either. As mentioned in the Civil War episode, Colonial Parks is no stranger to desecration. Although Sherman's army spared Savannah, his group of soldiers still found ways to leave wreckage behind. And a particularly interesting feature that is most likely attributed to them is the rear wall of Colonial Park Cemetery, which is lined with dozens of headstones. And some of the headstones actually report death at a very old or remarkable age. And of course, this is said to be the work of vandals who at some point in the cemetery's past have altered the memorial inscriptions. Vandalism is often attributed to the Union soldiers who reportedly occupied the cemetery during the Civil War. The story goes that members of the Union Army desecrated and vandalized the tombs in Colonial Park Cemetery, but they did so in very strange and creative ways, some of which are very wrong, but actually kind of funny the more I get into it. So they would actually move headstones around, so they would switch, like, Little Sue's headstone with pennies over there so when people think they're coming to like mourn the loss of penny they're mourning the loss of little sue and like little sue's family's coming to mourn her and they really mourn a penny like that that's what they would do that's how they pass the time that's, that's poor that's boredom <laughs> yeah and strength pulling stone tombstones out of the ground that's just gross and creepy yeah yeah, this is weird. It's still it's, it's a little funny, a little weird, a little gross, a little sad, you know. Range of emotions are going on. But on top of that, they would also take their bayonets and carve new dates on the tombstones. One man had his death date changed to indicate that he lived to the ripe old age of 544 years old. Tell you something. Him and Methuselah. <laughs> While the vandals changed the dates on another stone to show that a man's son had been born a thousand years before the father. That's talent right there. <laughs> After the war, the cemetery would lay abandoned for decades before the city would take control of the grounds and convert them into a park. By the later years of the 19th century, it was a well-known, disreputable spot and a target for vandals. This was a big part of the reason the city wanted to clean it up. Originally, a wall enclosed the cemetery, giving it one of its old historical names, the Old Brick Cemetery. Over the years, however, so much of this wall had been lost to, like, brick theft. Like, okay, I don't get this. Like, who goes around, like, I want to steal a brick? Actually, um, I I think you can make pretty good money off that. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I understand stealing copper, but, like... Yeah. I want to steal a brick. I'm trying to remember. I heard something about that. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was amazed. I was like, seriously? 
Yeah, they were like, you know, you can't have bricks like laying out for that reason. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's news to me. So this wall had been lost to brick theft, which is apparently more of a thing than I thought it was. Vandalism and, of course, you know, natural decay. It had become unsightly. Most of this boundary wall was removed during the 1890s improvement of the park. The headstones were moved at the same time, some of them because they lay in the way of new paths to be made. So, yeah, those paths we walked on, it was probably somebody's grave. Nice. Yeah, we're so going to hell for that. I apologize the whole time I walked through there, though. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, that's me the whole time I walked through there. I feel like I'm stepping on somebody. I probably am. Yeah, because yeah, the <coughs> cemetery actually looks empty. I know. It, it really? It really doesn't look like um very much in there. Yet there is. Mm-hmm. Creepy. But anyways, so they would move headstones if they lay in the way of new of a new path or some of them had been broken or uprooted, whatever. And that's how they ended up placing them along the wall, providing a tidy, more attractive way to present the headstones without removing them altogether from the grounds. As if this wasn't bad enough. The cemetery has also had to withstand the test of time. Over the years, the boundaries of Colonial Park Cemetery have shifted. And there are some who claim that the dead are interred beneath the streets that border the cemetery. Yeah, it's pretty much a true fact. And in the 1960s, workers doing construction on Abercorn Street supposedly found human bodies. Some point to the pattern of the rises and depressions in the sidewalk that border the street as evidence of wooden coffins underneath. Good. I know, right? Yeah. It's cool, but creepy, but gross at the same time. It was kind of like interesting cool. Like, mm. mmm. Yeah. But of course, any place with such a rich history of death and burial is bound to be home to more than a few ghost stories and colonial park cemetery is no exception some such stories concern the dueling grounds that were said to lie just beyond the south wall of the cemetery back when dueling was like legal and still Mm -hmm. a thing this was like how gentlemen came to resolve their differences today the grounds are home to a basketball court and a children's playground yeah it's all that yeah Mm -hmm. thought i pointed out yeah yeah but some say that if you travel by night, you'll see the ghosts of those who died in the duels. Okay. <laughs> Along with many other unique features and histories of the park, it's also the final resting place for some pretty well-known people. I didn't really know any of these people. Some of them I did. But I mean, like, you know, like Archibald Bullock, 1730 to 1777. I'm going to try to pronounce his name. Archibald Stobo Bullock was a Savannah lawyer, later U.S. Continental Congressman, and the first provincial president chief of Georgia. And his great-great-grandson was Theodore Roosevelt. I must have heard about that in Georgia history or something. Was that name's a little familiar? Well, I mean, like you could forget Archibald. 
Archibald Bullock, Bullock County. Yeah. 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 Okay. Samuel Elbert. They, then Samuel Elbert. Team County Elbert Square. We saw mm-hmm. when we were looking for the Gribble House for um, the murders that happened there. That will get its own episode, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Saw so much. Yeah. It was a big. It was. It was a big day. Samuel Elbert was born in 1740 and died in 1788. He was a brigadier general in the Revolutionary War and later served as a governor of Georgia and as major general of the Georgia State Militia. Fun fact, Elbert was originally buried at Ray's Hall Plantation near Savannah together with his wife, Elizabeth Ray Elbert. The grave, though, was lost to time and was rediscovered in the early 20th century. Through the initiative of the Sons of the Revolution, Elbert's remains were reinterred in Colonial Park Cemetery in 1924. What? I got lost in all the burials and dig ups and read aerials. He was originally buried in the Colonial. No, he was originally buried at Ray's Hall with his wife, Elizabeth Ray Elbert. Their grave was lost at the time. I don't know what happened to her. <clears throat> I mean, let's be honest. I don't know what happened to her. Okay. Um,. The grave was rediscovered in the 20th century, and the Sons of the Revolution took initiative and had Elbert's remains reinterred at Colonial Park Cemetery. Then we have Nathaniel Green, 1742 to 1786. Nathaniel Green was a major general in the Revolutionary War, although his remains are actually said to lie beneath his monument in Johnson Square. But there's a grave for him. I have pictures of it. Okay. In Colonial Park Cemetery. I don't know which is true. I didn't really bother to go digging. No pun intended. <laughs> okay. Edward Green Malbon, 1777 to 1807. Edward Green Malbon is considered America's most accomplished painter of miniatures. He began his portrait making career at only 17. His work took him to Providences like New York, Philadelphia, and Charleston, but he died of tuberculosis in Savannah at the age of only 29, and Savannah was actually a stopover on his journey home from a health-seeking trip to Jamaica. It's ironic. I know, right? It's like, after your health-seeking trip, you die. Yeah. You should have found what you're looking for. (laughs) Lachlan McIntosh. McIntosh County. Okay. 1725-1806. Lachlan McIntosh was a major general in the Revolutionary War. He was originally from Scotland, but he moved to Georgia as a child, and he fought at the 1779 Siege siege of Savannah Battle. And he has a really hard name to pronounce. (laughs) William Scarborough, 1776-1838. William Scarborough was a successful Savannah businessman and merchant. Though ruined in the Depression of 1819, he was one of the principal backers and directors of the Savannah Steamship Company, which built the SS Savannah, the first ship to cross the Atlantic under partial steam power. Scarborough's old house is now the ships of the Maritime Museum. Yeah, cool. Okay. You know, I love those old buildings down there. You wonder what they originally were. Sometimes you don't want to know. I mean, because like mom worked in one down there that was a sewing factory. And it's not there anymore. I haven't been there in years. But, you know, what mm-hmm. was it before they decided to start doing all this stuff with it? 
That's how so many buildings are down there now. Mm. And I actually just finished writing another story about a building that has so much history behind it. Amazing to me. Another person that's buried there is John Zubli. 1724 to 1781. John Zubli was a pastor and politician. Born in Switzerland, he moved to America at the age of 20, working first in South Carolina and later at Savannah's Independent Presbyterian Church. Another fun fact coming your way. Remember how I mentioned we lost a guy earlier? Brigadier General in the Revolutionary War, Mr. Samuel Elbert. Well, he wasn't the only war hero to be lost for a little time period there. So, you know, the moral of the story is don't go dying in Savannah. We just might lose your body. Well, hopefully the system for tracking dead bodies has improved over the past 200 years, though. I would think so. But in the early days of Savannah, lost bodies were not uncommon. Well, apparently there were so many. You, you know what? There really was. People died a lot back then. Yeah. On the ghost tours, we often hear in Savannah that... We get into all sorts of like crazy topics and death and dying are inevitably going to come up in the conversation. One of the more interesting stories about Savannah's approach to the dead is the story of Major General Nathaniel Green. It seems that being a Major General second in command to only General George Washington himself during the Revolutionary War wasn't even enough to guarantee yourself a proper burial here in Savannah. But then, like, dang, what you got to do to get a proper burial? <laughs> well, y'all, we lost the general this time. <laughs> <laughs> on June 19, 1786, Nathaniel Green succumbed to a heat stroke on his plantation, Mulberry Grove, on the outskirts of Savannah. The major's body was transported into Savannah by the boat the following day. In the late afternoon, his body was transported to the cemetery for burial. And it was decided that his body would be placed inside the Graham family vault. Mm. Hey, they weren't using it. I mean, why not? No, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Why? Why they have it if they weren't using it? I don't know. But they, I guess they weren't using it. Maybe all the people had turned to ashes. I don't know. I don't know their life. <laughs> but they probably moved to Effingham. We got a lot of Grahams in Effingham. <laughs> so they just weren't using it anymore. Oh my God. Not one up here. Anyway, so they weren't using their vault, and so they decided to just, like, store his body there for safekeeping. Because, I mean, you know. That's real safe. The Grahams weren't using it. They fled the country as sympathizers to the crown a few years earlier. So it seemed like a solid plan. Nothing could go wrong here. We'll just store his body in this family's vault because they flew back to England, whatever, whatever. Not literally planes didn't exist at this point. But nothing could go wrong. Until a few years after Nathaniel Green was laid to rest inside the vault of the Graham family, it was opened up for his son, George Washington Green. You see, George died when his boat overturned near Mulberry Grove. I mean, th Mulberry Grove was a seriously unlucky place for this family. <laughs> and as the story goes, George was placed into the vault with his father April 4th, 1790. It only took us all about 30 years to lose the body of Nathaniel Green and his son. Okay. No worries, though. No worries. After we somehow lost the bodies of a war hero and his son, we created a committee that was appointed and tried, however unsuccessfully, to locate the final resting spot of Nathaniel Green. 
finally, in 1901, Asa Bird, president of the Rhode Island Society of Cincinnati, came to Savannah for the purpose of trying to track down the final burial place of Nathaniel Green. Apparently, they just did not trust us to do the search anymore. <laughs> and I can't imagine why. I mean, we only failed for how long? But either that or they knew eventually we would have the bird cookie company and we needed him down here. Yeah, it's spelled different. Dang. <laughs> no, they just didn't trust us. <laughs> they were like, these people have screwed up for so long. They lost the man. Now they lost his son. Like, they had their chance. <laughs> so, during the inspection of a number of family vaults in Colonial Park Cemetery, the body of the general and his son were found in the Graham Mossman family vault. Apparently, we were looking for the wrong Graham vault. <laughs> That's all I can think. Here I ask how we knew we had the right bodies. There was a number of pieces of evidence which left no doubt that the bodies were indeed those belonging to the Greens. Okay. Did I answer your question? There we go. <laughs> After discovery, sometime in 1902, the bodies of both Major General Nathaniel Green and his son were moved to their final, final, final resting place in Johnson Square here in Savannah. They were placed underneath the monument which bears his name. This monument site is seen by millions of people every year as they stroll through the streets of Savannah. Like, yeah, we've been to it, and there are two dead bodies underneath it, but no big deal. NBD. It's a big monument. Maybe both of them are under there. It is kind of a big monument. Maybe they're both under there, so it's not like you're stepping on them or anything. Yeah. Hopefully they were a close family. They are now. <laughs> Don't go to bed angry, folks. There you go. Especially not in Savannah. But I do personally find it kind of odd that we kept losing the bodies of Revolutionary War heroes. Yet the main gate is inscribed with the letters D-A-R as it was donated by the Daughters of the American Revolution. <laughs> and we lost. Well, we okay, so we didn't lose the other guy there, Elbert. We moved him there after he was lost somewhere else. <laughs> okay. Moral of the story, don't die in Savannah. Now that I've told some less than popular stories about losing people's bodies and... What have you not and all that? Before we get into the ghost stories, a little creepy fun fact coming your way. I didn't even know this, but Savannah is actually home to, and has been for a long time, a thriving voodoo, hoodoo type culture. So naturally, I researched this and made a whole new episode for it. Yay me. But due to various reasons they have moved outside of the city of savannah before colonial park cemetery was closed at night it wasn't uncommon for early morning visitors to find remnants of voodoo cemetery like um ceremonies performed in the cemetery the soil from the graves was used in like various voodoo rituals and in addition to the soil the graves were sometimes raided in order to obtain human bones for the rituals Nasty. That's gross. And it's disrespectful. Hey, gross. Let's just see yeah. Oh, God. Mm, I can't. Crazy thing is, these stories are true. To what extent the Colonial Park... Hold on. 
Crazy thing is, these stories are true. To what extent is Colonial Park Cemetery used as a place of ritual? That can be disputed, but I don't think there's a single knowledgeable person who would dispute that Colonial Park was used for voodoo rituals and ceremonies because of all of the stuff that was found in there before it started being closed at night. (laughs) So, now that I'm purely baffled at some of the history of this cemetery, I'm also officially pre-creeped out from the voodoo talk but let's talk about some ghost stories i actually got two one's pretty brief because it is actually such a big thing to savannah historians that it warranted its own podcast so story number one is about the most famous ghost story associated with colonial park cemetery and it concerns a man named renee rondolier rondolier's ghost has often been reported walking through the cemetery or hanging from the hanging tree which lies near the back walls of the grounds rondolier's ghost is said to be an easy spot because in life he was almost seven feet tall and the story goes that he murdered two young girls in the cemetery and was later lynched either from the hanging tree or in the nearby squares curious to see how accurate this is don't worry keep listening and renee rondolier will get his own episode within the season all right story number two the red girl this story came from a former tour guide and it claimed that a red hued girl's image had been captured in photographs taken by ghost tours participants she's often captured as she kneels at a grave though one intrepid boy saw and communicated with the wed- red girl as the tour group began to leave the child inquired why the little girl was in the cemetery and said that the girl had asked him to remain moving the guide and others in the group to tears i don't think i'd be moved to tears i think i'd be moving up on out of there yeah i'd just be moved i'd be moved on up out I'd be moving about 60 miles an hour you'd be like can't stay with me no fool you did <laughs> i ain't staying with you no no i've tried and failed numerous times to find out more about the so-called red girl but literally like she turns up nowhere like this is the one story about her but she's mentioned everywhere the red girl the red girl but nobody actually gives a story as to who the red girl is why she's there what happened to her how she died nothing just the red girl and she appeared in a photograph and asked a little boy to stay in the cemetery with her that's literally all i can find about this girl if i was in a cemetery i, I want somebody to stay with me you know what i mean yeah can't blame me yeah, mm-hmm. and you're welcome for officially creeping you all out in one podcast Do you think your city is haunted? If you think your city is haunted enough to get its own season of hauntedology, hit me up on Instagram at Megs underscore Noel. That's M-E-G-G-S underscore N-O-E-L or at hauntedology. You can hit me up on Twitter 
at Megan Noel underscore fit. That's M E G A N N O E L underscore F I T or at Hauntedology. You can also go to anchor.fm backslash Hauntedology and leave a voice message for me and I can listen to your city story that way. Or you can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Hauntedology. It means the world to me. I write these shows and edit them myself. So I really appreciate all of your support. And I cannot wait until next week's episode. Thank you guys so much for being the best.